Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 118. Okay, I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, one thing that you guys may not know or may not really think about is how often I'm thinking about certain mediums and kinds of artists that I want to interview. And I will sometimes be trying for like literally a year, over a year to find someone from that medium um, to come talk to me. And this is kind of one of those situations since the very, very beginning of Artifice, like when I first started thinking about the podcast, which was in like... December of 2018, I think, like, or right around the times when I started doing interviews. So I was kind of uh, making a list of, you know, what I wanted the podcast to be, who I wanted to interview. And I had metalworking on the list right from the beginning. Um, and I have been trying to find a metal worker um, since since then. And uh, just, you know, sending a lot of emails that maybe never get opened, maybe never come back, um, or reaching out to people who say something to me like, well, I'm not really an artist, so I don't think I'm a good fit. Anyway, all this to say, when I reached out to Matt, who is a blacksmith, um, he responded right away. And I guess I should say too, I think I mentioned this in our conversation, but I started following his page, uh, Wasatch Forge, um, maybe six months before I reached out to him and was just, you know, just paying attention, just kind of wanting to see, like, did, did it feel artful? Um, and, you know, loving everything I saw. And when I reached out to Matt, he responded right away and said like, yep, let's do it. And talking to him, it's just, you know, it, it feels to me like I'm, I'm talking with an artist, like it feels, uh, just familiar. And I don't know, it just, it's such a beautiful kind of reminder that, I don't know, these things are so ubiquitous. They're just creativities everywhere. And, you know, I don't know, I'm sure I could have similarly artful conversations with people in, you know, any kind of profession. But all this to say, I'm really excited uh, to kind of introduce like a brand new medium, you know, after over a hundred, like kind of well over a hundred episodes. It's exciting. So it's a, it's a new thing. Um, yeah, I think that's all I want to say. I just, I'm, I'm pumped about it. And I, I maybe mentioned this last week, but I have almost this entire season, um, season five recorded and there is, there, there are great things coming. I'm just, I'm excited for the, the breadth and depth in the season. So, okay, here's Matt's bio. When you close your eyes and picture a blacksmith, you're probably already seeing Matt. He's our bear of a blacksmith who makes our biggest anvil look small. Matt's a sharer. He takes the forge on the road for demonstrations at festivals, conferences, even corporate events. He usually has a handful of apprentices. Matt apprenticed at a traditional blacksmith shop at This Is The Place Heritage Park when he was 17 years old, and he's been heavily involved in the steel industry ever since. He's been teaching classes at the University of Utah Continuing education program for several years. As a member of the Society for Creative Anachronism, Matt can often be seen towering over people on the battlefield, wearing 80 pounds of armor and swinging a two-handed greatsword. Matt is the master of the local SCA Blacksmiths Guild, and quite a few reenactors get their first experience with medieval blacksmithing from Matt. Matt is happily married to his high school sweetheart and is the proud father of four children. And just a great guy. I can't wait
wait for you guys to hear from him. Um, I think you're really going to like it. So, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, no announcements. I have, I, I, if you've been listening to any, for any length of time, you should know I have a new album finished. It's called the hallowed wide. Um, I've been planning to release the album as one single a month for a full year. Two singles are already out, but I've been working with a new, uh, PR firm in, New York City and we're tweaking my plan a little bit. So I don't know exactly when um, the next single will be out, but just know that I've got it. I've got a bunch of incredible photos, incredible videos, and the music is so beautiful. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get that to you guys. So stay tuned. Um, if you like what you hear here and you like my work, um, you'll get a lot more uh, stuff on my mailing list. I'd send a lot of writing and musings and thoughts and um, music and just, I don't know, anything beautiful I think of there. So um, I'd love to see you there. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. And that's all. So without further ado, our very first blacksmith ever, Matt Danielson. Enjoy. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists, and I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. <laughs> well, any questions before we like start? Are you kind of ready uh, to go? I do not have any questions. Okay, yay. I'm so excited to talk with you. Um, I like to ask everybody first kind of about their childhood and how they got involved in creativity. So the only caveat I'll say is you don't have to talk about like the things that you're doing now, but just what were you up to as a creative child? Um, so I've been uh, very crafty for as long as I can remember. I've always been making something or whittling something Amazing. or um, trying to always expand my capabilities. I mean, my my dad's a mechanic okay. and is very mechanically inclined. And so I've got a little bit of history with that. But that was a job for him. Right. And so instead of being able to you know, make things and he wanted to always make go-karts or make additional things. He was always working and doing the day job sure. and then coming home and not, not being kind capable of, of really sure. doing anything else. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how old were you when you like were starting when it was kind of apparent that like Matt is crafting? So I was whittling and carving and, um, actually also doing clay work. Um, as long as I can remember. That's amazing. Um, my mom worked in ceramics cool. and uh, had her own little pottery, pottery studio and would, um, so I had access to all of that. That's awesome. Had access to all my dad's tools. And then I had an older brother that was very interested in swords and knives and cool. things of that nature. And then I had, um, three very, uh, antisocial sisters. Okay. Um, so I was older. Older. Okay. So are you the youngest? I am. Okay. Youngest yeah, of four. That's so interesting. So you you get like all of this. Um, there's like everyone ahead of you in the family is doing stuff. Yep. Absolutely. So you're doing stuff. Absolutely. Um, did you? So I'm I'm 
I'm curious about a couple of things. Um, I guess, first of all, uh, was, did you feel like differentiated at all? Like, did you feel like you were more interested than the other siblings or was there anything kind of unique that you remember about like your relationship with creativity or were you kind of like falling in, in the family culture? So my eldest sister is a writer and, um, I was raised by her quite a bit because both the parents were working outside of the house for most of my childhood. Okay. Um, and basically since age six, I've been heavily involved in, um, role-playing games and writing and things of that nature for, you know, up until, you know, last weekend. Awesome. Um, so lots of like Lots of creativity and creativity output. Absolutely. Cool. And then, so one thing that I'm like, I'm just like, it's a topic that fascinates me to no end is like childhood identity. Um, and I know like, you know, retrospect is finicky and like, it's Mm -hmm. hard to know, but I'm curious, like to the best of your memory and also maybe like the way that, you know, people who knew you as a child kind of like talk to you about what you were like, do you remember feeling like, like, how do you remember feeling about being creative? Like, and maybe some of the, it's kind of a wishy-washy question, but maybe some of the things I mean are like, do you remember feeling like pride about it, like being excellent or was it just like fun? Like, what do you kind of remember like feeling about it? Um, so it enhanced my capabilities. Uh, my father grew up in Detroit uh, during the downturn where people in his neighborhood would go on vacation and come back to their houses completely emptied yeah. and their wiring torn out of their house. Oh so he gosh. had this post-apocalyptic um, idea that society was going to fail and he imprinted that upon me as well. Okay. So the more skills and the more capabilities that I got in that vein, I was able to treat yeah, you can play, some of the, belt. Yeah. yeah, treat some of the anxiety sure. that is, uh, directly from my father. Wow. And like, even as a little kid, it was like, these are survival skills. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and like you saw your creativity as like functionality as well. hundred percent. So it was very interesting to go over the, the list of, Prompts. you know, this is stuff we may talk about. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not an artist. I'm, I'm a craftsman. I don't, I don't do art. And then I'm like, well, I love, I totally do art all the time. It's, it's got to be beautiful to be functional or it's got to be functional to be beautiful. Absolutely. (laughs) I, I, I spied on you for a while before I reached out. (laughs) Um, And yeah, one of, I mean, my kind of like MO as a podcaster and maybe like as a person even is like, I have a really strong belief that like creativity is really important to like the non-collapse of our society. (laughs) Absolutely. One of the things that, um, as I have grown and decided, so Wasatch Forge itself is now, um, a school. It was never supposed to be a school. It was never supposed to be a place where people come in and learn this skill and become my direct competition. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, I've got a pretty good head start on them. I've got employees. I've got a shop. I've got all of the the skill set and uh, this diverse group of craftspeople that are excellent. Yeah. And all ships rise. That's that's very true. Yeah. But the biggest thing is 
I have found it's it's so much a part of what we do now that it's on my business card. Um, uh, I can't remember the full tagline, but hand forged knives, tools, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and, and then yeah. and then we do metal health. So it's a little tongue that. in cheek. Yeah, I love uh, it because so many people there are. I don't know any healthy individuals. I don't. Sure. I don't think they actually exist. Fair. <laughs> I mean, maybe the therapists are healthy. They're not. <laughs> They're definitely not. But everybody's broken <laughs> in some way or another, and I find that being this this craftsperson and making this thing that will out that could outlast you, and then the joy and the warmth that you get from going, I made this yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. And that person goes, oh, my God, I got a gift. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you also mm-hmm. get that same spark. And especially if it's something that you made with something that you could not do before. And all of a sudden you're like, no, I, I made this rocking chair for you, grandfather. Yeah, yeah. I made this this knife for you. Totally. Um, I couldn't agree more. Like, And I, I had a kind of a shitty childhood and my both of my parents are narcissistic and uh hard people to have been raised by and um creativity was like my saving grace as a kid and i say now and like i i don't i don't i mean this totally earnestly but like it's it's the best route to like manufactured joy like i can like i can summon it whenever i want yeah it (laughs) it literally is manufactured joy i mean that's that's perfectly uh i mean that word kind of has a connotation that's maybe like not as magical as I like feel about it, but like, yeah, anytime I feel sad, it's like, I just make something and then I feel better. Absolutely. So so simple. It doesn't rely on anyone else. Um, so yeah, what I was going to say before is, um, I, I love to explore the line between like art and craft and furthermore, like I'm, I can get really on one about like artful thinking, like just think like being creative in the way that you like see people see life. Um, so, you know, what, what's, what is art? I feel like pretty expansive about it. Yeah. Um, can you tell me like as a child, were there flickers of this kind of like this joy that you were getting, like in addition to the kind of assuaging the anxiety stuff? Um, absolutely. I mean, uh, every time I made something that my mom could then take into, uh, the kiln and fire it, or every time I made, uh, an additional, item or something that I didn't have before, whether it be a bow and arrow, whether it be a spear, whether it be a leather pouch, um, things of that nature, um, were very much the puff up your chest. Ha ha. I'm better than I was before. Totally. Did you ever make things that weren't functional like figures or, uh, I draw, I drew quite a bit. Um, years and years ago, I've lost the talent. Um, due to a distinct lack of practice, dude. But I'm with uh, you there. it it has translated a little bit with um, you know the steady hand and the capabilities, and now I can do some technical drawings that work fairly well to uh, like explain your ideas. Yeah, instruct. Yeah. Um, what were you whittling? If not like like what functional things were you whittling? Um, so I was I was very uh, pro weapon. Okay. Um, and so That's it's the, like your older sisters were doing like D and D and like having kind of like a fantasy, uh, 
healthy fantasy world. Kind of, it was not. It was not healthy. Okay. It was. It was uh, very a adventure and survival fantasy. based. Okay. Cool. Um, fantasies, and so in addition to the the father figure that has this certain attitude of the way the world is going to yeah. fall apart, and then having my sisters be okay. Well, you have to have these survival skills and things of that nature. Yeah really turned me into the person that I am today of yeah. being this uh, armchair survivalist who wants to get just enough skill to be able to, okay, I can enhance this if I need to. Yeah. Um, but in, in everything, I, I mean, that. it's forging, it's so making cool. bows and arrows, it's casting bronze. It's, um, it's yeah. everything. That's so cool. Like, and even just when you were listing, like, you know, you're making like a leather pouch, like, so that I like as a, as a child, like, this is like leatherworking, sewing, pro like absolutely so many different skills, like tanning. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, from hide. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Provo. I had a okay. little a little farm, um, surrounded by farms on like a hundred north, and uh, I don't know. Okay. But anyways, it used to be this much more spread out area, and now sure. it's you know. Houses and developments, and but a but a farm, like a, a farm, so you had uh, access. We had to a two-acre little um, irrigated every Wednesday, uh, four or five lines of grapevines, cool, eight or ten uh, apple trees, Granny Smith, which is why I don't like Granny Smith to this day, um, and then Barlet pears, which is why I still like Barlet pears, <laughs> eight or ten of those, and then we had a big garden plot with. Wow all the tomatoes and zucchinis and all the rest of it. And then we'd can and that would all go downstairs. It's so rich. I love it so much. Oh yeah. I have <clears throat> guests pretty frequently cause I interview people in all mediums and like a maybe surprising number of my guests like grew up on a little farm. I find the whole thing like so deeply romantic. I think I like long for a childhood on a farm. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's one of the things that I desperately want for my kids to experience Yeah, because now they're in a, a suburban household that yeah. it, we just moved to a slightly bigger suburban household and they have good schools around them and good mm -hmm. computer programs and tablets and Chromebooks and computers yeah. at the house. And it's like, I don't know this. The child inside of me cannot really communicate with the child inside of you because you yeah. are so radically different. Yeah. You have, you have no tolerance for for strain, for struggle. You have no capability to deal with hunger at all. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like patience. Maybe it's like a, yeah. But in, yeah. in the same vein, if my dad, who was an avid hunter did not get deer. And if my elder sisters didn't get their tags and my brother didn't get his tags, um, to harvest the deer, um, during hunting season, we wouldn't have meat and steaks yeah. Um, in the winter. In yeah. the winter. It was, it's wild to say that out loud, Yeah, but it wasn't a bad situation because we had the farm, we had the capabilities and there. And we had the tags. And we had the tags <laughs> and we were able to do it. But, you know, on the other hand, I don't want to have that be, you know, well, Matt's this survivalist who grew up on a farm. No, I grew up in downtown or in, in suburban Kingsburg. Orem. Yeah. And both of my parents worked outside of the house. My dad was a mechanic. My mom worked for ZCMI and then for... For the listener, it's a bank. <laughs> right? Uh, so bank? It was actually a, a department store back oh, in the day. I'm not from here. Yep. I don't know anything. <laughs> it's a department store. And it was a potter. And, and, and then worked for some family um, 
ceramic supply. Okay, cool. Uh, and so we were very regular and my dad was also uh, very into computers and being cool. born in 1983, um, we started getting into computers wow, so relatively many early. Like just uh, and so it's not, I'm not a survivalist farmer. That's, that's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> as I'm going through the, the interview and I'm like, well, that's, that's not who Matt, you Matt know, I is. Have an, I have an <laughs> uncle who works, he makes, um, like software for cash registers. And like uh -huh. some of his clients are like Starbucks, Wendy's, but he and his family live like in an Amish village in Ohio and do like, like they have a homestead yep. and it sounds like <laughs> maybe your childhood was like kind of similar to like my cousins. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, very diverse. Yeah. Um, cool. I've like two more questions like mm -hmm. about your childhood. Cause I just, I don't know. I'm obsessed. I love talking about childhood, like identity formation and creative development, creative discovery. Um, was there like, did, were there ever things that you felt, um, like scared to try or like, was there any, like, um, any like insecurity in your creativity? That's or, never stopped. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was it like as a kid? Like, like, would it be the kind of thing where, like, you As have kid, an idea was, that, like, you want to try something, but you're like, I don't know if I can, and then, or, like, what was uh, it like? No, actually, as a as a kid, I didn't have you very did much of that, and wanted. I and I was stupid and overactive and Reckless. made dangerous things <laughs> yeah. that hurt myself um, more often than not. I mean, you know, you get a kid making a bow and tensioning the bowstring, and it cuts loose, and, yeah, you know, can take lacerates you, yeah. yeah. Um, and so as an adult, I've got a lot more caution of, am I wasting my time? I'm not capable of doing this. Okay. Um, we'll talk about how that began, but as a moved, child, yeah. none of it. I don't okay. think so. Um, and then trying to think about it and it's not, it doesn't stand out as okay. something that, that my, I experienced. My other question is like, do you have memories of being, you know, maybe like under the age of 12 ish, like a child, child. And, um, like, do you have memories about how, like non-family people like reflected your identity back at you, like peers and or teachers, like whether your creativity was like um, praised or whether you felt like different. So I felt different because I've uh, tended to be um, relatively intelligent and sometimes more intelligent than my peers. It's hard as a kid to be like a little ahead of the curve. Yeah. And also being uh, a little ahead of the uh, size curve. Sure. You know, the, uh, the listeners don't know that I'm a six foot seven, 320 pound, uh, beard down, you know, to the, uh, bottom of my armpits. You uh, look like you work at Wasatch. Yeah. Forge. I mean, I, I, I'm the quintessential <laughs> blacksmith and then scaled up by 20%. Yeah. Um, it's great. <laughs> So, and you found that like, uh, alienating as a child. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was routinely, uh, bullied, uh, yeah. So until I hit 14 and six foot two. Yeah. So. They better not mess with you. <laughs> Do you remember feeling like any, like I, so I'm specifically thinking about, you know, how you relate to your own creativity. I feel mm -hmm. like when I was a child, I like loved my creativity. Like I felt very, proud of it I felt very like independent kind of and like this is this is mine I have like ownership over it like 
I would have ideas of what I wanted to do and I would like execute those ideas like meticulously. But then I felt like there were other people, like whether they be peers or my parents, um, who made fun of it. And it left me feeling like conflicted. And I'm wondering if you had any conflicts about it. I was never, um, never had any negative reaction to my creativity and my designs. It was always very supportive from uh, my father, uh, my mother, and my eldest sister. Um, I keep mentioning her because the other two were younger and yeah. were kind of involved she in their own thing. She was kind of like a parent figure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm the oldest child and have younger siblings, and I think especially when they were littler, I was like maybe a bit of a parent figure as well. Yeah, yeah there's a 14-year gap between me and my eldest sister. So she We've was... Got 13, so just one yeah. less. Yeah. <laughs> so she was in the house and taking care of me... Um, Fairly often. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then at school, like, did did you feel like, I think what I'm wondering maybe right now is like, were you kind of known as like a kid that does creative stuff? No. They just didn't know. It was like your kind of private thing. Correct. And at school, you just like got through it. Correct. Okay, okay. Got through school until I couldn't anymore. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, and then was there a time, like maybe in high school, where some of the skills that you were working on at home, like became part of like what who you were at school like whether you're taking like classes at school where you're doing some of those things or or was it always something that was kind of private it's pretty much been pretty private i've been uh until it became my profession sure it was basically just for me and occasionally a couple others you weren't ever I would like invite wood into shop the situation. Or metal shop like no, absolutely. School. I was in wood shop and metal shop, okay. and I was top of the class ish um, as as much as I could be with the lack of discipline sure. that I had growing up sure. because everything was relatively easy, and therefore I didn't give a damn about their rules. Did your teachers <laughs> like those teachers um, like talk to you in a way that made you feel like this is really something I could do, or like I think I'm wondering whether your more formal experiences like in school um like shaped how you saw like your own like potential not at all okay okay um and it's not because of the teachers not being interested in me it's just that i did not respect them sure i mean i think those things are really important things to acknowledge like and part of what i'm what i'm maybe after and what i'm curious about is like what role do like things play like what what does our how resilient is our creativity? So I think uh, <clears throat> that creativity can be based on nurture, but I think it's mostly nature. Yeah. I think it's mostly intrinsic. You know, it's Everyone so has some of it, but yeah. uh, I think the... And it's hard to say this um, because there are people who are like, no, I want to be really good. It's like, well, yeah, that's the drive that's going to make you really good. But you can't... In my experience, yeah, um, you can't school excellence into a person. The the mm. excellence has to come from inside. Hmm. Do you think that that's a? So I I feel very conflicted about this topic, and I've interviewed so many people. Like I think when I first started doing this podcast, I just kind of assumed that more people felt like me, which is like, you know, the adults and peers in my life had every opportunity to squash all my creativity and they didn't. So mm. that makes me kind of inclined to think like it's intrinsic. Um, but I've interviewed so many people who, 
tell me that like, no, I definitely wouldn't be doing what I was doing if I didn't have all of this nurture. So I don't know. But one. Well, that's fantastic because that means that. It is maybe like a bit more resilient than we thought or something. Or we're all independent. Yeah, I know. There's not one size fits all. Matt's not right. Uh, The other people are not right. What's what's right for you is what's right for you. Yeah, no, or just what happened for you. Yeah. But one thing I see, because I also teach, um, you know, I tend to think that, like, there's a bit of a difference between, like, our, our hard skills, like, the, the, the actual tangible skills that you learn, like, which for me as a musician is, like, you know, I teach people to, like, use their vocal, like, their muscles. Like, I teach people mm-hmm. to train their voices. I also teach people to, like, read and hear music better. I teach people songwriting. Like, these are these are, these are are hard skills in a Tangible lot of ways. Tangible skills, absolutely. And then there's also these, like, perspective building. Like, you know, these kind of visionary types of skills. Like, imagination skills. And then there's also, like, this other set of skills that might be, like, motivation curiosity problem solving and i i feel like (laughs) yeah and i feel like maybe people need inherently like a greater measure of one of those things yeah (laughs) like they need to come like a little advanced in like one of the areas but i tend to feel like the kind of like the motivation stuff is the stuff you kind of can't do without yeah you have to have some yeah 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 because it's what we do is like it just takes it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of um yeah a lot of resilience like a lot of failure we call it our give a crapper yeah so you've got to care about what you're doing and if you don't you're just not going to do it if it's uncomfortable or hard well and another thing that like a lot of my guests talk about and that i agree with is like you have to want the struggle like it has to be a struggle that you're a little bit interested in or fascinated by, or that maybe even like you like a yeah, little. of, of the, of the struggle and of the failure. Right. Uh, people come in, I want to learn how to make a sword. Okay. Make five swords, screw up four of them. Yeah. 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 What, what do you mean? No, I want to make one sword <laughs> too bad. Yeah. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, t- I, I get really like snarky with my students sometimes, you know, they'll come in and they'll be like, Oh, this is so hard for me. And they're complaining and they'll be like, it's so easy for you. And I'm like, I have a master's degree, like, and I've been doing this for decades. Yeah. Um, like, how dare you think that it should be as easy for you as it is for That's me? Right. That's ridiculous. That's right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get, I'll get a little snarky and say like, well, how dare you? You know, <laughs> it like takes the kind of, it takes the weight out of the room a little bit, but it's also like, no, but really, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So, okay. One other question. Um, in like schooling, so like in high school, how, what about like writing? Were you doing any music? Were there any other like creative things going on that maybe were like showing themselves in? So there's definitely a bias, uh, to more creative outlets. Um, that was a lot of drawing. That was a lot of, uh, singing and chorus. Cool. That was a lot of pottery. That was a lot of shop. Okay. Um, it was something that, um, has been an intrinsic need for me to do and to gain additional skills in a wide variety of things just because it scratches that itch in the back of my head. It's one thing I think we don't talk about that much. Like we talk about all the practice and all the output, but we rarely talk about how important like the input is like the media that you consume, the, the kinds of things that like give you ideas and give you stuff to work with. Um, is there anything else you want to say about like, 
the media, like whatever, whatever medium was like influencing you Um, in your life? I'm extra grumpy at how easy it is for other people to consume this data and expertise that was hard fought and hard won without the age of technology. Yes. The fact that we have the, the common uh, phrase of YouTube university mm-hmm. and you can jump mm-hmm. on and you can watch these expert craftsmen, mm-hmm. these master class craftsmen uh, go, here's my tricks. Yeah. 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 Uh, makes me a little bitter. Not, totally. not really, well, but the idea of why haven't I been doing it that way for, thir- for, 10 years. Yeah. Well, even just like as a musician, like, you know, when I was a kid, like just getting music, like just getting your hands on music was so hard. Like you have to get someone to drive you to the store. Yeah. I have this this one CD (laughs) and I'm going to listen to it until it can't function anymore. And, um, and then, you know, like heaven forbid, like you need sheep music or something like, you have to, again, get someone to drive you to the music store. Mm-hmm. Just hope that they have the thing that you need. Ugh. Like my students, sometimes I'll give them an assignment to like learn, you know, some some song. And it'll be something amazing, like a great song. And they'll come back a full week later and I'll be like, so did you did you listen to the song? And they'll be like, oh, I didn't have time. <laughs> like, what do you mean you don't have time? Like, it's in your pocket. Like, yeah. listen while you're brushing your teeth. Like... You don't, what do you mean you don't have time? Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. a lie. You didn't have yeah. interest. Yeah. And then I, and then sometimes I just feel like I was just saying this to another guest a few days ago, but like some of my students, I feel like you're in singing lessons, but like, do you like music? <laughs> like, <laughs> have you ever listened to it? Like, do you like it? Oh gosh. Or books even like, I mean, I remember like distinctly cause I was, I was addicted to books as a child cause I had an escapism Oh yeah. Need. Um, and I just remember like reading like every book in like my school's library, like until they're gone, like yeah. all the fantasy and sci-fi books, I have read them. There yeah. aren't any more. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, and now you can download a humble bundle of all of the books by an entire library and read them on your it's an embarrassment of riches. It is an embarrassment yeah. of riches. <laughs> so, okay. Talk to me about like when you, how you started like building your career. So wherever that begins, or rather how do we connect your like, you know, toward the end of high school to, to the beginning of your career. So when I was 14, okay. um, I had a bug out bag that I made with. What is a bug out bag? A bug out bag is a bag that you grab in order to leave town Okay. and Okay. Get to somewhere else. A go bag. A go bag. Absolutely. Um, That I had made tools, made things, stole from my father, various other items, um, knives in particular, but uh, (laughs) um, hatchets and axes and uh, things like that in a bag in my bottom of my closet, ready to go. My parents didn't do this. Uh, my brother didn't do it. <clears throat> yeah. I was just uh, remarkably uh, susceptible to the uh, to the fantasy that my uh, my father and sister perpetuated. Sure. And of, we are, need to leave. Things at any time. are going yeah. to have a problem. And of course, yeah. then there's the Cold War 
and the high altitude EMP strikes that can shut down all of the electrical grid. And I'm like, okay, so we got to restart everything. Yeah. I don't want to be a farmer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if I can start making tools and start developing that capability to not have to restart society from digging in the dirt. Yeah. That's creative too. It's like, it's like I'm pre-creating a life for myself where I don't have to dig in the dirt. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like my parents have been doing in the two acre farm for a long time. Yeah. Uh, my entire childhood. And so I started developing and teaching myself from the art of blacksmithing um, how to forge on a little shed on the side of my uh, dad's house. Did your dad ever forge? Or this not, was like not a at mat, all. This is a mat thing. Yeah, this okay. is this is literally Matt's going to That's become so a blacksmith. That's so badass. Like, I can't, <clears throat> I really, like, I, your peers just like didn't know you were doing these things. I wasn't very good. Okay. But yeah, they still, it was, I just it feel was like fairly, if this was a thing that people that your peers knew, I have a hard time imagining that they wouldn't think it was really cool. But well, so all my peers were on the, uh, on the gamer side and the geek side sure. of the fence and not necessarily on the creative side. None, none of my old friends from high school. Isn't that interesting? It's such a, people. it seems like it should be, seems like that <clears throat> Venn diagram should be a circle. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I guess yep. it's not. Yeah. And uh, so, you, so, so you started forging. Sorry, so I, started I totally forging. interrupted your story. And then I uh, met uh, my brother-in-law, of course. Cool. Just a friend at that yeah. point in time. And your he was wife's doing. brother? Yeah. Okay. Because it could have been your sister's husband. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he introduced me to a coworker who was a blacksmith. Okay. Who was working up at this is the place monument. Yeah. Um, little historical. I have a gig recreation. there in a couple weeks. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And so I went in there, seventeen and eighteen, as the apprentice blacksmith. Okay. Wow. Um, and started actually doing that, How and then. How common is it for someone that young to be doing that? We like to get them younger. Okay. Because at 17 and 18, they should be a blacksmith, not okay. an apprentice. So they so they weren't <laughs> impressed by you. Uh, it was normal. I was showing up. Okay. 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 <laughs> they, were, they were impressed by your work ethic and not the fact that you were 17. Well, yeah. And the fact that, um, you know, it's an unpaid gig. Sure. And I kept showing up and yeah. kept talking to the crowd. Yeah. And kept doing work for the blacksmith. Um, but keep in mind, this is an apprentice job at a historical recreation park. So my job as apprentice is to interface and talk to the crowd, okay. not to pound out 300 it's nails. entertainment kind of. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Um, however, in our downtime, he would teach me. Cool. So I got through all of that two seasons because uh, it was just in the summers. <clears throat> and then I started a little business of forging and doing blacksmithing on my own in my mother-in-law's backyard. And you were like 19? 19, 19, okay. 20. Um, how did you start this business? Like, was it just kind of like you were already kind of getting some clients and then you were like, so this my is girlfriend a business, had a job at uh, a garden center. Okay. And then I went to her manager and he gave me an order and that was order okay. number one. Okay, cool. And as I 
continued working there. I sought out other garden centers and continued working cool. there. And I found out that it's mostly welding with very little blacksmithing. They okay. want garden art that is mostly welding art. trellises okay. and things of that nature. And did it feel like art to you back no. then? No, okay. it was the opposite. Okay. It was not blacksmithing. It was weld these things together and sell these things. Became okay. a job. So at this time in your life, had you ever felt like artful and like creating beauty in your work? Or was that something that came later? Uh, no, it it was as a child. There was definitely the uh, the art and the beauty. Okay. And as... It funneled out and funneled back in? Go ahead. I'll let kind you of. just say so it. So it, it moved from an art and a craft to a art where I can do cool things that I'm proud of to I don't get to do the cool things that I'm proud of because nobody's paying for that. And I, I just it. need to get this paycheck done. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did all that. And then I went into a steel supplier and said, Hey, I need this steel. Give them my list. They started cutting it. I went over to a uh, architectural component catalog, grabbed that catalog started flipping through it. And I'm like, Hey, there is actual work. People are making these things and I can make these things. Um, there were garage door lights. Okay. And this is, this is your early, this is 20s. This is 20. Okay. Great. And I'm looking at this book, seeing these things that are handcrafted. And I look over at the price and I'm like, damn $54 and 16 cents or whatever it was. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I, not enough. Can I borrow a calculator? And I pull out the calculator and I do the math. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to make $4.32 an hour. Yeah. And it's not UL listed. Yeah, yeah. It's It doesn't have any of the electrical components to be a garage door light. Right. Uh, I can't. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to marry my girlfriend. I need to be a man. I need to stop screwing around with this mm. fantasy. That is never going to come to fruition. Okay. And I just asked for an application at the steel warehouse that day. Okay. Okay. Um, started doing uh, work there. Um, did that for 13 years. During that 13-year period, one guy came in and said, I need a blacksmith course. He's a friend of mine at that point in time because I'm relatively personable. Uh, I was probably inside sales at that point in time, had gone from racking to punch lead to foreman to inside sales and then back to foreman through that 13-year period. But uh, he comes in and says, I need a blacksmith. I'm like, okay, well, great. Here's these list of blacksmiths. There's, you know, six or eight of them in the valley and go deal with them. Okay, cool. So these are good blacksmiths. I'm not totally sure if they're good blacksmiths. But I know this guy. He's a good blacksmith. He taught yeah. me something at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and he goes to this blacksmith and comes back three or four months later and says, Matt, I'm I'm low man on the totem pole. I can't get my order done. Is there anybody else you recommend? Yeah. Absolutely. Go talk to this guy. <clears throat> okay, great. And so I list all these other blacksmiths. Yeah. He comes back. Matt, can you please just do this order for me. Yeah. No, yeah. I can't. I'm inside sales. I sell to these people. Yeah. Yeah. My morals will not allow me to compete with my own customer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, being a blacksmith is not a profession that, that makes any money. I'm not interested in it. Thank you very much, but no. Yeah. Go deal with these blacksmiths. Comes back, Matt, they're all fabricators. There's not a blacksmith 
they all do a tiny little bit of blacksmithing and weld and get the paycheck. And I'm like, well, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly my experience. Can you please make this small list of items? I've got a container going with my uh, handcrafted or, or, you know, carefully designed and welded together fire pits to Australia. And I need these accessories for those items. (sighs) Fine. Because you're a friend, I will do it for you. Yeah. So, cool. I did it. Three days later, because I had my Ford set up up in the side of my house. Yeah. And this is after, you know, that six years, seven years into the the steel warehouse job. Maybe eight. And so I had my Ford back up. I was doing little tinkering stuff and kind of enjoying the blacksmithing part of it and making things. Yeah, yeah. Um, instead of doing the job you were still so i was gonna ask like you were still working like doing your own you were playing and playing in the forge not all this whole time yeah i can't i can't not i mean i've i've got and so many damn hobbies i just collect them because yeah they scratch the itch for a little while can i ask like during this time that you were like not getting paid to blacksmith um you know, maybe didn't have any specific like goals in mind regarding like career in that vein. Were you still like challenging yourself and like giving yourself little goals? Yeah. And the, uh, the best part about working at a steel warehouse being a blacksmith is you get to have the conversation with every other up and coming blacksmith that comes in that wants to do the thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so you can be challenged by them, go help them, go teach them, cool. have them come over to your shop. And it becomes this uh, cool activity mm-hmm. that a very select few people can do. Yeah. Um, kind of like symbiotic. Yeah. yeah and, and really, really special. Like I, I can imagine feeling like a lot of pride about that. Like, That's right. It's this like, is a thing that I you do. You and I can do this. They yeah. cannot. Yeah. And it's like this like ancient <laughs> skill. Like Absolutely. there's a lot of like... Um, I don't know if mythology is the right word, but like there's a there's like a, a mythos at least absolutely like, about blacksmithing. I think that's probably like a pretty cool like identifier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's something that we combat <laughs> currently because uh, being a mythos and being a a ancient uh, set of techniques with generations and centuries of lessons that have come down through yeah that you're combating these things that are wrong because you have a scanning you have access to someone who has had a scanning electron microscope and is like but that's a lie you mean that's like wrong chemically like chemically. in terms of like the bonds absolutely yeah, yeah interesting so there's this there's this whole scientific side of it that is uh really scratches that that computer side of of cool. the crafts itch for me and going, uh, 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 that's awesome. Nope, you're, if you do it that way, you're getting more paralyte than Martin and you want tempered Martin in your so cool. steel and you yeah. use these words and you start speaking this different language and people who know the language are like, uh, yeah. yeah, I probably do want tempered Martin instead of paralyte because it is a stronger structure. Yeah. Yeah. So and, cool. But I hear what you, I hear what you're saying with like, we have these like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of, of tradition, tradition and kind of like, yeah, like oral, oral, um, 
teaching yep. and no kind of proof. Yeah. <laughs> um, at yeah. that age. Yeah, yeah. And now we have all this proof that debates and debunks all yeah. of this other ancient proof that people get a fanboy attitude about. I mean, as a singer, <clears throat> I understand this problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think all the time about the way that, like, reality TV, like, singing competitions have, like, jacked Damaged. with, like, the entire integrity of, like, my medium. Yeah. It's, yep. yeah, don't even get me started about it. And so I'm, I'm fighting that uphill battle yeah. all the time. You know, yeah. people, oh, well, that's folded steel. It's stronger. Well... No. Yeah, let's put it under a microscope and we'll and see look. who's right. So you're telling me that this inclusion of silica makes your blade stronger. Yes, it allows it to bend and flex. That's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's annoying. So so you got this job, got, this Australian this thing, and then favor. Yeah, okay. And I bring the stuff in. He says, great. And he hands me two pieces of paper. One of them is an order form. And it has all this list of items on it. And I'm like, I'm not your blacksmith. I'm yeah, not yeah. going to do this. I compete yeah. with my customer. I can't do that. Well, your customers aren't They can't. Aren't you doing can't it. actually compete with them because they can't do it. Because they're not doing yeah. it. Not can't. Just not. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, sure. But it's it's an integrity thing. And I can't, I can't allow that to happen. The second piece of paper was a check. Yeah. And I'm like, <clears throat> apparently that's my price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I started being his professional blacksmith. Okay. Um, that started a influx of money into my hobby. Okay. And with that, I could expand my hobby, get better tools, better grinders, better shop, better anvils, better forges, and be able to really expound on that hobby and really start to uh, a renaissance in my little shop. Cool. With this big inflow of money. And you're now like in your 30s. Like yeah, at this 38. Point. Okay. Now, wait, now, now, or now in the story? Uh, now, now I'm 38 in the story. Okay. I'm 27. Okay. 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 Right. Cause you said it's like seven, eight years into the, in, okay. into working. I it. have this idea. You said 13 at some point, but 13 is when you like officially transitioned out of the steel warehouse. 13 years yeah, later. Yeah. yeah. That's yep. what I meant. Yeah. So that's yep. why I was thinking like you're like 33, but no, not quite. Got it. Okay, we're so, still in the middle of the story. Still in the middle okay. of the uh, of the steel warehouse. <laughs> the steel warehouse gig. Um, I'm following. And while I'm doing that, the, one of these blacksmiths that I meet, he comes in and says, "Hey, we've been working in your shop, which is an absolute travesty of of danger. We've been working in my shop, which is a four by four square lawnmower shed that I have to roll my anvil out and keep the forge in, and yeah. we need more room. Yeah, yeah. We need." A capability to expand our hobby. Okay. All right, cool. Well, we can't rent a place. Uh, we could if we had two other blacksmiths. All right, fine. We'll try. We ignore that for a period of time. Another blacksmith comes in and says, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to rent a place and get out of our little shops on the side of our houses. All right, you got to talk to this guy because I can't. And how do you know these people? Like From Wasatch Steel, from the steel warehouse okay. that I was okay. working at. Got it. And being that blacksmith and talking to everybody and building that and that these community. other people were blacksmiths there as too? well. Okay, not or, there. They were just picking up their steel there. I see. And so if I see a specific order, hey, what are you doing with this? Yeah, oh, you're well, just I'm doing curious. This. You're playing, okay. and I and I'm a salesman. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to add on. Oh well, if you're getting your pre-punched channel, 
do you also need your bars? Do you need a solid bar, a square bar, blah, 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 blah. Cool. Start the conversation with the Got customer. It. Make a friend out of that customer. Cool. So they keep coming back to you. Yeah. Even though your prices are a little bit higher. Cool. If they happen to be. Cool. And so long story short, we get a group of four blacksmiths. We rent a little industrial space. Yeah. And then... One of my apprentices that I pick up says, Matt, let me make you a web page. Cool. Uh, why? Yeah. I don't need a web page. Yeah, you do. I make web pages. Let me make you a web page. Great. Go ahead. Make me a web page. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Cool. Makes me the web page. Two months later, I get a phone call. Hi, is this Matt Danielson? It is. Hi, this is whoever it was at that point in time uh, with University of Utah Lifelong Learning. And we see that you're a blacksmith instructor. And was wondering if you wanted to teach some classes for our continuing education wow. program. Awesome. Uh, no, no, I'm not a, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> doesn't matter what that damn guy said on my webpage. I have no capability yeah. of doing this. I can't teach. I did just get a shipment of anvils in, but there's no way I can set all those up and, and run a class for eight people. There's no, no possible way. I can't, I have no interest in this. I don't want to do this. I'm no, no. Thank yeah. you very much. No. Yeah. Salesman filter. Yeah. yeah. All that was hidden in the back of my head. The salesman filter said, oh, that sounds like an interesting opportunity. I'd love to hear some more information about that. Why what don't you go like ahead and send me an email? What did you feel? Like, did you well, feel interested That whole in little it, rant yeah. is all the anxiety and the, uh, you know, the uh, on the prompt syndrome. was the imposter syndrome yeah. of I can't, I can't possibly do this. Yeah, Teach yeah. for a university? No, yeah. there's, I'm, I'm a dumb guy it's like working at a steel things. warehouse. I have no capability to do this. I've only been puttering around at my anvil for 10 years. Um, did you actually feel dumb? Cause like you said, you were like a great student in school. Uh, is it, is... so I have a long, t a long time ago learned that there are multiple different types of intelligence mm -hmm. and I, love I your thoughts on this subject. happen to be very classically intelligent and very problem solving and very educated in stuff that interests me. Sure. However, I don't have good stick to itiveness. And so the fact that I can test out of any class I've ever been in, because uh, I didn't take any college, and I'm sure that's harder. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, depends on what you're like, doing. I like to think that at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I couldn't uh, couldn't do the homework. Mm -hmm. Show me your work. Well, yeah, but this and this and this and there you go. Show me your work on all of these. No, I'm yeah. not going to. Yeah, yeah. I've got no interest in that. Um, it's so interesting the way that our like, because I, I really am. I'm so I'm so fascinated by like identity. I suspect that the way that we kind of like see ourselves has like a pretty strong bearing on like what we will allow ourselves to do. To and do try. absolutely. Yeah. So uh, so and I so think seeing yeah. myself as that um, non classically educated. Yeah. Um, didn't do well in high school, yeah. didn't take any college. And now they're reaching out to me to teach these people who are in college or out of college. Uh, there's no possible way yeah. that I could do that. Yeah. Um, and then I get them in there and hi, I'm Matt Danielson. And this is Mike Miller Imperial. And we do the introduction and he actually really helps support the class because he's actually educated on teaching uh, outdoor something or another. Um, and we do the introductions and hi, I'm a mechanical engineer. I've been this. Hi, I work up at the uh, the Huntsman Center and in, in the cool. oncology thing. I'm a doctor and yada, yada, yada. Wow. And all of these really high level, because uh, my dad 
being the mechanic that he is, also has two masters and is is wow. college educated what? and <laughs> speaks three languages wow. and yada yada yada. Um, but he found out that he couldn't get a job paying more than being a mechanic, and he had a family, so he just capitalism became a mechanic. is so stupid in this particular way. And like, I don't, I don't mean like capitalism itself, although yes, but like just the way that culturally we think about like we value education, different things. Yeah, it is so stupid. I I feel increasingly like every year of my adulthood, more and more just annoyed by the way that we like undervalue trades Absolutely. and overvalue degrees. And I am a person who has a master's degree and is a college professor. Yep. But I feel this strongly. Yep. It's yeah. uh, it's an interesting and very complex situation that well, worked very well until the capitalists, the, the high-end capitalists could actually utilize power in government. But anyways, that's, that's well, a whole, well, Matt's a crazy person. Well, part, part of like what I, what, what I was saying before, like, you know, my kind of like MO or like mission, maybe like, maybe that's too strong. Maybe it's also just like, I like talking to people that I think are cool, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I think so much about these ideas of like how creative thinking and creative problem solving, like these are the, these are the skills like, you know, hard skills notwithstanding that allow us to problem solve as a people that allow us to see similarities where we maybe might feel like a lot of kind of tribalism or like othering. Um, and this particular thing of like, well, if you're not the right kind of, if they're not the right kind of smart, we can't listen to you or you have yep. nothing, um, valuable to share is bullshit. Absolutely. And yeah, I don't know. I think this story that you're talking, that you're saying where you're, they're kind of, typical power dynamic is a little flip-flopped and you're at the front of a classroom like this is very interesting yeah what happened so it's this it's this uh not classically educated individual who doesn't think that they're capable of teaching these people because they are better than him because they're doctors and because they have the titles white collar things that's sure. right and i'm as blue collar as it gets sure i happen to be educated in one degree or another but still you know not educated in the way that my yeah. father respected sure sure to one degree or another because yeah. he also ignored it yeah 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 <laughs> um and so we get them all at the anvil they get their steel hot we go over safety and everything like that and they start swinging their hammer and i and i demonstrate the step i'm like okay so we're going to draw out this point here da -da -da -da, draw out the point make sure you go from square to octagon to round and then spend a little bit of extra time planishing your point and getting a nice point on the end of the bar that's all we're going to do just get me a point on the end of the bar. Okay, go ahead. Holy crap. Are you yeah. guys kidding me? You guys don't know how to swing a hammer? How do you not know how to... No, stand up straight. Don't get that close. If you miss, you're going to... Okay. So you're going to hurt yourself. Cool. So stand up straight. Keep that thumb off the back. Okay, do this, do that. No, you guys are all absolutely the most incompetent crowd of people I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, cool. I can teach all of you. I don't have to do anything but teach teach an S hook and we're, we're good. <laughs> I've had experiences like that before, too, where I, because of the way that I gained my knowledge, I might undervalue it. You know, like I might just think, well, I just, it's just, I just have this. Like You just do it. Yeah. Oh, because maybe this, the process of learning it was play. It's yeah. It's easy to kind of like undervalue it. And then 
realizing how hard those things are for, for the vast some majority people. of people. Absolutely. Will it never stops? Well, even before when you were talking about how you're training your competition, like I think sometimes we can take for granted like how much, like if you're the kind of person who's built a business, it's probably it's probably like much less likely than you'd think that you yeah. have that competition. Yeah, because <laughs> there's more than just like the blacksmithing that like plays a role in in that. There's a lot going on. Absolutely. I mean. My job at the forge is managing. I'm not yeah. forging. <laughs> yeah, like, but if those things were easy to do, a ton of people would do them. That's right. And they don't. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my point is other than, like, it's it's easy to take our own skills for granted. That's right. So how did you, the way that they saw you and that you saw yourself, like, how did that start to change? Uh, it didn't start to change. It changed immediately. Just it like was that. It was like, oh. They're all actually incompetent. And that's not bad because everybody yeah. got to start somewhere. Competence is a word. Incompetence is not a negative. It's just a lack of. It's just a fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, Same with ignorant. It's it, like it's just. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. that's that's become a much more of a. Uh, I know. Uh, Isn't it frustrating? You're just ignorant about just that. I'm not ignorant. It. No, yeah. you're not ignorant. You're ignorant about that. Do you, yeah. Do you not know what ignorant means? Because you sound ignorant right now. I couldn't agree more <laughs> with that. Like, don't attach your identity to it. Just read something right. and learn a little bit. That's right. Did, how did you feel that they saw you? Like, do you did you get the sense that they like felt like like they, that they respected you? Um. That's a hard thing because I'm six foot seven and, you know, everybody comes in and looks at Matt and goes, oh, well, I'm going to change my entire behavior because yeah. there's a giant entering the room. What do you think? Room. Like, so what's I, your theory? Do you think that they, do you think they like? I think everybody does not take me for granted that everybody looks at me and goes, oh, well, I've got to pay attention to this guy because if nothing else, he could not know the size of himself and knock everything over. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's this, there's this intrinsic um, respect. So it's. They didn't, they didn't change. Okay. It proved it. Okay. okay. Um, yes, I was a very competent um, instructor at that point in time because of the inside sales. It's, sure. it's weird. People are like, Matt, what, I want to be a black, I want to be a professional blacksmith. I want to do this for a living. Okay, cool. Go be a welder. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean? Go be a welder. Go be a welder so you can make money and survive and then be a blacksmith. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't go into a steel warehouse to survive because that costs parts of your body yeah 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 uh, welding does too to one extent or another but not as bad but did you feel like i mean and it's okay if you just don't know but like did did you ever have an experience where you feel like you watched someone um like realize how valuable like your skills are like and kind of see see this flip-flopping of like like a paradigm shift like did you ever kind of feel like you've witnessed any paradigm shift so there's never a paradigm shift but there's a realization okay. so instead of they had a mindset that now changed to a different track entirely it was definitely the oh you can do that super easy and it's not a problem for you at all and it's an elevation in their perception not not a change of their perception okay and okay. that's that's every single time i teach a class cool it's the that's great it's the best little pump up um, well done, Matt, that you can ever get is the, uh, oh, well, I'm really struggling at this. Okay, cool. Let me show you an easier trick here and just get that done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just watching someone be like, wow, that's yeah. a whole thing that I can't do. And being that person is uh, uniquely fulfilling. Yeah, it's, yeah. uh, yeah. it's the best antidepressant I've got. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. 
It's manufactured joy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So how did you transition out of the steel warehouse factory? Uh, the classes started making more and more money. Okay. I started teaching more and more classes, spending less time at the shop, um, going from inside sales back to foreman, where I was running the entire show, uh, and then not being able to work 12-hour days. Yeah. And just telling my boss, hey, I'll either come in early or I will stay late, but you're not getting me for more than 10 hours a day, five days a week. I'm just not going to do it. I've got other things that are worth more. Oh, well then if that's the case, why don't you go do those? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I will. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and left there, started doing the orders, doing the, the classes and really built uh, Wasatch Forge into what it is today. Yeah. And that's not necessarily true. Um, because now, uh, instead of it being a one man band doing all the things with an instructor, occasionally now I've got three instructors that are doing all my classes and I'm doing all the management and behind the scenes. Um, and they're also doing most of the product. I mean, I literally three weeks ago had a moment where I'm like, man, I've got to get out and swing a hammer. I haven't swung a hammer in a month. This is, this is not the thing I want to do. And now Wasatch Forge and the being a, a blacksmith and being that artist is now just a job. Yeah, yeah. I don't get crazy? to do yeah. any of the fun stuff um, anymore. Yeah. If I'm in the shop, everyone is always, oh, Matt's here. I'm going to go talk to him about my project. And then I'll talk to him about my project, yeah. about their project, yeah, yeah. and help yeah. them with their project, and then start on my own thing. And then, oh, you need to go, okay, cool. Well, we'll let that sit in the forge. It'll be fine. We'll go deal with this. Okay, cool. Uh, that's been on the forge for 20 minutes. That's got to come out. I got to work on that. I'm, I'm ruining it right now by just letting it sit in the heat. Okay, cool. So I'll go take a heat and then get pulled away again yeah. and again and again and again. Yeah. And so I just don't do my own stuff. Um, I hear you. This is like, this is like the ever, this is the, this is the problem of like that's art right. as a career. That's <laughs> so right. I've been really interested lately in interviewing people who, um, have like a day job. And like do their, you know, I feel like it's like a, yeah, it's almost like, I I feel like it's almost like more protective over your creativity sometimes. Absolutely. It just depends on what you're doing. But We were just debating this, uh, Stan and I, mm-hmm. um, he came into the, Stan as one of my instructors, he came into the shop when he was 15 as a, uh, as wow. an apprentice and then, um, had a situation where he, uh, needed a job and I'm like, well why don't you come work for me? How much do you need per month? And we'll just make that work. Uh, so I picked him up and we were talking this morning about, uh, the fact that turning this craft into a profession degrades your quality Yeah. because you are trying to get the next thing out the door and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. You can't, your, your give a crap needs to go down yeah. because it's got, to get out the door and people, ah, this, this blade is hand forged. You can see the hammer marks in the top. It's like, no, that means the person didn't care and didn't take that out. And you like the aesthetic. You think that's what it's supposed to look like, mm-hmm. but that holds debris. It acts as friction going through whatever material you're cutting. And it's just bad. No, no, mm-hmm. this, this shows that it was, it was made. No, no, this, this one on my hip is also made. Yeah. 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 But I imagine like, 
I mean, I'll be, I'd be interested to talk to you again another like 10 years and see if like, you know, I, I, I suspect that like creativity will come back in and like, you know, reinvigorate this process somehow. Well, to one degree or another, but I also just pick up another hobby. (laughs) I hear you there. Okay. I have some questions. So I want to know first, like what, can you just give me like a list of the types of products that you make or maybe ones that you think are, are fun? So the coolest one um, that I have uh, personally had the grand majority of work done is uh, we love doing these wedding swords. Cool. So we do swords for people to commemorate their weddings. Cool. Um, There's one uh, that was on Instagram a little while ago where they were um, sabering off champagne bottles. Cool. Um, How do you get, so you were saying before, like it has to be functional to be beautiful. Like mm -hmm. how do you think about like beauty and function or like maybe more specifically, like what kind of things do you find beautiful in your work? Uh, Symmetry. Yeah. Um, And that unfortunately it's, it's an art or sorry, it's a, it's a craft. Yeah. And so it's got to be obviously, oh, that is just for this. Okay. It has this purpose. There is nothing superfluous about it. Um, uh, I like some design on a cross piece. Yeah, I was just going to ask like, if you ever do anything like ornamental. Yeah, and and it's but it's minor. It's okay. it's, uh, it's constrained the by sure. the function of it. If cool. it ever goes outside of function, it's like no, that's that's dumb. Don't do that. I have one guy who's a who's an artist. And he's drawing these swords and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Silly. Nope, you got to short silly, this. Nope. Dumb. Your cross guard is way too big. <laughs> yeah. What is, what is this extra point pointing down towards your hand? Oh, well that's, that's for uh, that's a knuckle guard. Okay. Well, what about this strike here that you do here where you twist and that comes in and stabs you in the wrist. And yeah. if somebody sees that and then puts pressure on that, it's going to stab you more and you're going to drop your sword. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. But it looks really cool. I don't care. Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to hang on your wall. It's functional. That's right. Um, so you make swords and knives. Do you do like anything that's like sculptural? Um, I do not. So I haven't haven't done any of that except for at big events. Yeah, you were kind of talking about the trellises before and you're not doing stuff like that anymore. Well, there's, those are barely artistic. Okay. It's, I can imagine them being like quite artistic. Well, they could be, but nobody's going to pay for it. Sure, sure. Um, at least for the market that I've got. Now that I've got... Um, the name and the capability yeah. we are planning on doing a artist's showcase um, on our webpage yeah. where we have I some love that pops things up that blur the line between like art and function. Yep. Like, like I can imagine like outdoor, like trellis type things that are like, is this a structure for a plant or is this a sculpture yep. being like pretty exciting? Yeah. And also do you do like any like furniture types of things? Oh, uh, we do some furniture. Um, but it's okay. Besides my own personal table, which is uh, made out of two inch thick hickory boards um, with pioneer wrought iron cool. bands that we're bending around and burning in, and then going to put hot rivets through. Um, and that's going to be my kitchen table. Cool. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. But maybe someday. <laughs> like you, you like it? Um, I do. And I've got uh, an additional craftsperson who's come into the shop who does these resin cast tabletops. Cool. And so we're going to start moving into that and doing additional uh, art on those because, cool. of course, that's an artistic piece, not just a table. Awesome. Um, it's got to be a table, according to me. So we're going to set the bands down in so you don't have your cup of coffee that tips over on right. them. But 
Um, do you do you still dabble in like other mediums, or or and if so, which ones? Not really. Okay. Um, I do some leather work, but not particularly artistic. It's okay. all about um, making product to sell on the web page. Um, and does the leather work like integrate with the blacksmithing? Like, are they they're in the same? We try to. Okay. Um, but for the most part, we're trying to also meet a price point. And if we spend a lot of time making clasps and things that take an hour, hour and a half, two, three hours, then all of a sudden we're priced out. Okay. Um, there are lots of other leather workers. It's not a hard skill set to get into. Um, and that market is pretty saturated. So we've got to be more efficient, more wise sure. um, to keep so our price point clear, down. The leather that you are making is like holsters and... Yeah, and bags. Okay. Okay. Cool. But uh, cool. so it's... Um, it's not like tooled leather belts, although we did hire somebody to do some tooled leather belts. Cool. Um, awesome. And I have a lot of fun designing that those cool. bags. And so I'll design the patterns and I'll tape them up on paper and then I'll make them on the leather. And ta-da, this is a complete thing. Is That's about so as artistic satisfying. as I get now. It's so satisfying, though. Like imagining something and then making something like what is better than that? Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. That, that fits all, that checks all the boxes. What role does like, you know, any, like, or do you still do like live action role play or like, do you read fantasy? Like, I'm wondering if, if like those kind of loves of your childhood are still part of your life. So mostly it's uh education. Um, okay. so I'll do a lot of YouTube education. Um, uh, PBS has some great things that, uh, so unfortunately, after I come home uh, from working, A, as a welder, because I'm also uh, moonlighting as a welder as well now, um, or working in the shop, I'm pretty well done, and my hands yeah. are pretty broken. I've Oh, I mean I've more consumed... in terms of, like, consumption. Like, are you, con are you reading or, like... Yeah, so the consumption okay. that I do is after... Because I would love to be able to craft. Sure. It, it would be, you know, the right thing. But it's sitting down and learning um, and consuming um, educational videos on YouTube. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. I see. That's most That's of more my... It's like more important. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk at all about like what it's like... You said you have kids. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what it's like, um, you know, teaching creativity to your children? Or like, you know, it, do you have any like things you want to say about being like a parent who's creative? Um, that is a unique struggle, uh, being a teacher and having these students that you go, okay, you have to do this step before you do this step mm -hmm. before you do this step. Mm -hmm. We can't jump you ahead to do this. Yeah. It's hard for me to teach my kids their drawing, uh, cause I'm not particularly skilled at that. But any of the other craft stuff that they're learning, because I respect that teacher's method. Sure. And so if they come home and say, hey, dad, can you teach me how to do this? It's like, well, yeah. But what the teacher tell you? And I try sure. to try to maintain those milestones. Yeah. Um, my boy, on the other hand, uh, is very keen on the uh, let's make weapons. Let's do things like cool. that. And then, of course, I'm like, well, 
I do this professionally and I don't want you running around with a crossbow that could kill the neighbor kid. (laughs) Not just the dog, but the kid. So let's make this as light duty as possible. Is your wife involved in creative mediums too? Yeah. So she's a pretty high-end cosplayer. Cool. And so she's doing all of these uh, different cosplays and goes out to Dragon Con and other things. This totally is still part of your life. Like... It's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. I just, I interviewed a cosplayer last week. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Maybe I, maybe I can interview your wife too. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So she's doing all kinds of mediums too. Yeah. Her um, home is like just full of every medium. Yeah. So she's very, very plastic and paint and uh, sculpting okay. side of it where I, uh, I am the opposite, the, uh, the harder um, drilling and cutting and grinding and forging. Cool. Uh, but is that something that you get to do? Like, do you go to cons together? Absolutely. We cool. just went to Dragon Con cool. and uh, she did not take her uh, Jane Thor cosplay. Yeah. That, uh, we were really regretting that because, <laughs> of course, she's got a steel helmet with wings yeah. on it and a steel breastplate. Everyone will be so jealous. Absolutely. Of your, like, actual metal actual armor, spray painted <laughs> foam. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And what do you want my listeners to know about blacksmithing? Uh, it's uniquely cathartic. The capability to go into your day job and sit and work at a desk and punch numbers or talk to people that don't want to talk to you or even that do that drain your, as we, cause you know, we're all gamers here. We call them people points. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> one of my apprentice, uh, one of my employees comes in and says, Matt, I, I don't think I can take the class. My, my people points are down. It's like, Oh, I cool. love that. So I you need won't to start saying that you won't be able to uh, do them the the justice that they deserve because you're going to be grumpy about it, mm-hmm. and uh, you need to recharge too. And we care about you. So yeah, wow. Take the day off. I've got this class. No That's problem. Lovely. Um, I'm an introvert, pretty hardcore too, and I sing in a party band, which is like, <laughs> and my job is to. Like I, I, say, I say sometimes it's kind of a joke, but also I really think it's true. Um, if at the end of my set, at the end of the night, if the clients, if like the guests ask me to like go to the after party with them, I know I've done my job well because they think I'm the kind of person who wants, who to, wants do that. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When a, really I'm like, I want to not talk to anyone for like, 10 hey, hours. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go away. I'm going to go to the hotel and sit in total silence. Yeah. That was yeah. actually the best part about Dragon Con. <laughs> Because my wife is much more of a social butterfly than I am in that regard, and it's like, all right, Jess, I'm uh, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> They've got YouTube upstairs. I've got my book. I'm goodbye. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you sure? Mm-hmm. Great. Go ahead. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so you do. You read. You still. You do. Still. Yeah. Find so time I, to read I consume sometimes. an awful lot of of books on tape when I'm working, uh, reading, and um, we do game also every every Saturday. Okay. Cool. So, and you mean you're playing live, live action, uh, not or uh, video so games. The term is uh, just tabletop role playing, not okay. live action. Okay. Unfortunately, okay. growing up in the '80s, there is a massive stigma that is still affecting me to this day that live action is not something you do. I was just talking to someone about this the other day. Like, I think I, I, I'm sure my listeners, I, I'm pretty sure I just told this story, like what will now be like two episodes ago. But (laughs) when I was in high school, um, I always like my, my parents would simply like not permit me to do anything Mm -hmm. like that. My parents are both like very 
popular like mom, cheerleader, dad, football player. Uh And then I was like such a little nerd. Um, But yes, simply would not permit me to be involved in any such things. But there, I had a lab partner in my physics class who um, was in like the magic, the enchantment club. Uh And they were doing a, like a mystery, a murder mystery dinner. Uh And they needed more girls to like, like play the, female parts mm-hmm. um so my my friend invited me to go and it was like the most fun i ever ever had absolutely i mean you got to remember that that uh the murder mystery dinner party is not live action role playing no matter what they say now yeah. it's all live action role playing <laughs> well I mean, I also, i'm sure my parents i mean like i'm sure my parents just didn't i didn't talk about i was had a driver's <laughs> license and i'm sure i just like went yep. but uh but i i i've always thought like that i would really enjoy those kinds of games and just i don't know i didn't as a kid and then i was like busy in school and yep. i just texted um johnny worthen is he a person that you would know i don't believe he's, so he's the president of like the utah writers guild okay anyway i, I messaged him this morning and was like how does one start playing D as an adult because <laughs> like i would like to try anyway um but so you're you're the, you're playing tabletop games tabletop role okay, playing versus games. video games Correct. okay well, and, then, and my wife and i play an awful lot of video awful, games too. okay cool what about music <laughs> like do you like music like is it part of your kind of uh, yeah. So the shop is constantly being battled over the, uh, the Bluetooth speaker mm-hmm. between, uh, either my sea shanties, uh, one of my employees, sea shanties, um, my eighties industrial or one of my other employees, Gothic anti-establishment sea, sea cool. shanties. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's, specific. there's a theme. <laughs> <laughs> anti-establishment sea shanties i mean that's that's all i can think of it <laughs> as great. that's great i love it um i just I'm, I'm just putting out a new album right now and one of the songs on my new album has like a pi- pirate pirate vibes pirate <laughs> undertones and i was working with the producer he was like this is becoming a pirate hoedown should we like no should that's we, you should, should do more of those or we t- and this is me in the studio i'm like mm-hmm, yes more please and then jed my producer is like i as your as your pop advisory, I think we'll tone this down. We had like a violinist in the studio, like playing these pirate hoedown vibes. But yeah, but the the memory of this moment exists only in my mind. It's because we we did tone down the pirate hoedown yeah, for the yeah. final version. Um, but I personally know that it existed. There you I can go. Imagine it in my own brain. Um, Okay, I think we're kind of wrapping up. Perfect. Is there anything else that you like from the prompts or that you've been thinking about that you want to kind of say or talk about um, regarding creativity, art in general, why it matters? Yeah, so craft is a requirement for mental health, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's surprising how much uh, having a safe area where people can come in and do a craft has enhanced and according to them we don't know because we don't have a control group mm-hmm. uh, saved lives yeah so it is a thing that in my experience having come from a generation long clinically depressed group of individuals um, and being surrounded by clinically depressed individuals and being diagnosed clinically depressed, um, having this outlet and having a capability to do a craft, to make 
something that you experience the tiniest amount of pride in and it doesn't have to be anybody else giving you that that kudos um feeling it for yourself is in my opinion the best therapy that i've ever experienced amen Um, it has changed my life for the better and then now you know i'm i'm generally always uh, locked and loaded for the, so what's your favorite thing that you've made? And I decided to go with wedding sword because it's a product and you know, I'm doing this for specific reasons, (laughs) but the best thing that I love making is blacksmiths creating that person to go, I can make this thing now. And now I have this capability that's unlocked to make permanent heirlooms. It's so beautiful. And it's, uh, I love this. I I just want to like zoom in on this point that you made and make sure the listener hears it, that part of what's beautiful about like being creative and making things is that you, you don't need to rely on someone else's praise. Like maybe you want it. Maybe it's nice to have it. Certainly if you're trying to build a career, you know, having external validation, like it's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the puzzle. Yeah. Nothing, nothing can take away the pride And, you know, just the satisfaction that you feel going like, I imagined this and here it is. Yep. And I, and I made this better than my last one mm -hmm, is something that you will mm -hmm. always be able to do. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful, um, motivator. It's its own reward. Yeah. That's cool. And, and I also totally agree. Like I love teaching. I think a lot of people teach because they can't get enough work doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those people. It sounds like you're not either. Um, there's there's very little that's more satisfying than like witnessing someone else's creativity that's like right. come into fruition or to see someone else get this light bulb that they like can do the thing. It's awesome. Yep. And the uh, the capability to go, can you do this for me? You're better at it than I am. Hearing that from your instructor is is a pretty cool thing to be able to say and a pretty cool thing to, oh, I to love feel. It. I love it. Yeah, I teach I teach one of the classes I teach I teach at UVU and I teach all of the it's a brand new class. I just started this semester, so it's new, but I, I'm already having feelings about it. But um I teach the commercial voice performance class. So I, I teach all the commercial voice majors mm-hmm. at once and you know, I just told them in their first class, like I, I see you all as my future colleagues and like, I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, the culture that, that I get to be part of when you guys graduate, like it feels like such a beautiful thing to me to say like, Hey, I'm going to be part of forming like, you know, the way that I'll interact with my future, you know, competition as it were. And I love like watching my students and also my former, um, peers, like my student peers, um, like just kicking ass in their professions. It's amazing. Yep. It's so much fun to watch people get better, to watch people do things that you're like, damn, I don't think I could <laughs> even come close to doing that. Like what you've done is beautiful. It's blowing my mind. Like the, sh- the, the back and forth of this, um, you know, self-sustaining like inspiration machine. Yep. It's so cool. Absolutely. It's so cool. And then you get the experience of working in a forge, Ringing the anvil is a is the best sirens call for fourteen year old boys that I've ever heard, yeah. and you get these kids that come up and uh, so what are you what are you doing? 
Yeah. Oh, well, I'm a blacksmith. Do you, do you want to grab that for me and help me out here? Yeah. And then you collect these apprentices and you're like, man, I wish I had a mentor when I was 14 years old. Where could I be? And where are yeah. they going to be? Because they're going to be better than you. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, do you have thoughts about like, maybe, maybe this is kind of out of left field, but do you have thoughts about like everything you do, like in the context of like masculinity? Like, what do you, how do you think this like, um, I don't know, affects like how people like conceptualize maybe masculinity in like a healthy or unhealthy way? Uh, it is pretty cool to be introduced by your wife at a dinner and says, oh, well, this is my husband. He's a professional blacksmith. He runs a blacksmith school. Yeah. And you go and it's like, yes, I am. I am a professional blacksmith and I do run a blacksmith school. Thank yeah. you very much. That's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> that's me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think the thing I'm wondering is like, it's, it's, it's clearly like, you know, socially and like iconically, like a very masculine thing to do, but it also sounds like it's, um, there's a lot of like discipline, safety, respect, which seem like, you know, healthy ways to yes uh, develop masculinity it requires those but no no i don't i don't think it has anything to do with with masculinity okay everyone at my shop is i'm hmm how to say this semi-politically correct just do your best (laughs) (laughs) we'll forgive whatever happens um i'm the most masculine person there and i'm very traditionally masculine I'm trying to think of anybody else that approaches traditional masculinity in the shop. Oh, there's one other guy, but he's an absolute klutz. Um, <laughs> but out of everyone at the shop, the the biggest thing is that it's this, collect, it's this collection of craftspeople that respect everyone and we respect the craft. Yeah. And so it, it at default, is... Uh, we don't care... I think that's like the thing that I'm getting at. Cause I, I can like feel that from like how you're talking about it. Like I can see it being the, a kind of thing that from the outside in feels like almost like a, like a, a good old boys club. Sure. And yeah. it's not. Yeah. That, I, mean, I think that's kind of what I, what I was hoping you'd say. Yeah. yeah. We, we collect <laughs> all of the artists and artists have a tendency to be, well, you know, like I think I mentioned, we're all broken. Yeah. And a lot of these artists and craftspeople are more broken than, and I don't know if it's just the environment and being around them a lot that you get to see them more, but they are more broken. I am more broken than the average. Yeah. And I think the average is a lie. Or I think it's the perceived average. Totally. Um, yeah, I think it's like if you have the type of broken that isn't um, doesn't jive with like mainstream whatever, you have to seek out help, you know, yeah. whether that's like, you know, therapy or or a medium that is Mm -hmm. healing to you or, you know, whatever, finding your people, finding like a team. But yeah, I I totally agree with you that like everyone's broken. Some people are just like chic. Hide it well. That's right. Chic broken. (laughs) They're like the kind of broken that like thrives on Instagram. That's that's right. Um, My like last kind of question. and, And again, it's fine if you don't have thoughts, just if you do, I'd love to hear them is, you know, does your work or your experience, um, I don't know, has it taught you anything about like people, like what it means to be a person or like, do you feel like you think any differently about people? Absolutely. Um, I am paid 
by maintaining good relationships and helping broken people. Yeah. Um, and so that has made me remarkably tolerant. And I am teaching everyone in my shop. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, they're an absolute incompetent. And the word incompetent, not just are incompetent, but they are. They are a bad person to be in here. Sure. They damage equipment. They damage themselves. They have. Are not kind or patient. They're not kind. They're not patient. They are not considerate. Yeah. But it's our job to teach them. It's our job to help them. It's our job because we get paid to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've just got to do better about letting that person who you personally don't like uh, become a better person. And become someone you do like. This is the place to do it. Isn't that cool? We've got some of these artists that that have come in who I'm like, oh man, it's been a year and you're finally able to succeed rather than you had an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. And now you are, you have arrived, um, yeah. as a fully functional, um, useful individual. Whereas before they were not in the, in the environment that we were in. Yeah. Um, and now it's like, Oh, Hey, can you, uh, do you have any interest in taking on this job and doing this? Or do you want to teach this 14 year old kid and see mm-hmm. how, how teaching continues your growth because there's yeah. nothing that has ever taught me more than being a teacher. So true. Um, yeah. That's really beautiful. And so we have these, these opportunities to help yeah. these people. And in, in regards to seeing people differently, um, I don't see them as an annoyance. I see them as a, as a project as, as potentially bad as that could be. No, I, I, well, and I think like, yeah, we, we have the opportunity to witness like people growing, mm-hmm. but we also have the opportunity to witness the the bizarre ways in which these this growth is not linear. <laughs> like it, yeah. it goes out and out and like someone's a better b- blacksmith and then they're also a better teacher and then they're also like a nicer friend. And a better communicator mm-hmm. and more consistent or more considerate about their workspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which which are the bad you know, the, the things that annoy us that make you a bad person in the shop is not putting your stuff away yeah. and leaving a tripping hazard out yeah, yeah. because that's just an inconsiderate thing. Yes. You left a hammer and tongs on the floor along with your round punch that somebody could slip on. Yeah. That's a big problem in my shop, but it's not a big problem in your own workshop. Yeah, sure. sure. And so it just, you know, uh, so if I say a bad person, it's not a bad person. It's just, it's inconsiderate. Yeah. But we watch those things like grow outward. That's right. It's, it's like, really cool. Did you know that that's a problem because of this? Yeah. Oh yeah. Please don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I don't know. I just like, maybe it's just like, I tend to be like a fairly optimistic person. Uh, but you know, I just feel like if everyone was doing like those little, like these little things, like it would change everything. Yeah. If everybody had the attitude of how can I help that person who's annoying me? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and just to kind of have this empathy of like, you know, thinking about the people that helped you when you're when you're annoying, mm-hmm. and like, you know, maybe you were never annoying in this context, but like, you're probably annoying in some other in context. Others, absolutely. Yeah, like, <laughs> how can I? I mean, where am I annoying? And looking for the people that are like there to raise you up in those places, and then you know, like paying it uh, forward, backward, however you're thinking mm-hmm. of it, pulling up the people you can pull up, and then allowing yourself to be pulled up by the people who can pull you up. Yeah. That's, that's big picture creative. 
yep. in my opinion. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. This is so lovely. Okay, I ask everybody two questions at the end. Number uh-huh. one is on this day, what is your dream collaboration? Um, so there's a uh, an artist blacksmith that I really respect, uh, Mark Asprey, and I would love to spend a month in his shop with him making a traditional blacksmith shop out of, um, you know, you start with base material, wrought iron, steel, and you leave with an entirely functioning village blacksmith shop circa 19 or sorry, 1750s. Cool. Plague times. Yeah. Cool. Right. When, when blacksmithing was, you know, if you, if your village didn't have a blacksmith, you didn't have a village for very long. Yeah. Cool. So. Cool. And then finally, where can everybody find you and find your work? So this is uh, all at wasatchforge.com is the best place. Uh, we are currently in the process of moving our shop, um, but go ahead and jump online. It'll all be available through wasatchforge.com um, for all of your, your contact. Um, all your needs. All yeah. Your contact to, to contact needs. us. Uh, and of course, Facebook, wasatchforge.com and Instagram. My personal Instagram is at the giant smith because i was advised that by a uh you are a giant smith <laughs> S- yep. and of course math. wasatch forge on instagram cool. so matt thank you so much what a pleasure my I've pleasure thank so you thanks for listening to artifice our theme song is as you are from my album masks with artwork and merch designs by sarah keel If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.